1: All right, and we are back with another end-of-season review segment, this time with Steve Magookin talking all things Tottenham Hotspur. You can find him, of course, on Twitter, at Steve Magookin, and he, of course, was formerly the president of the New York Spurs Supporters Club, which you can find at nyspurs.com. Steve, an absolute pleasure having you back on to talk about Tottenham. Obviously, I'm a very biased host on these, um, but I just wanted to start off by talking to you about Jose Mourinho's tenure obviously he started around November time but things really picked up here since the restart uh, undefeated after the restart although a couple of disappointing draws uh, in the process there but what have you made of the Jose Mourinho era thus far
0: Uh, hello Kev it's uh, good to be back with you thanks for having me along again and uh, I'm really glad the season's over I have to be honest with you and I'm sure you are too uh, yes, I mean, Jose, you you have to hand it to the marginally special one. You know, you you often hear, <laughs> not least from his own mouth, that we were 14th when uh, when he took over, and and we ended up, you know, as as well if not better than we 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 could have reasonably expected at that time. I mean, obviously, if if you'd told us that we had the option of you know playing to get into a Europa League place at that stage, we would have we would have all bitten your hand off. And obviously, you know, this has been a strange, disjointed season for reasons that were, you know, beyond football and beyond anyone's control. Uh, But I suppose when you consider that we we probably overachieved last season and underachieved this one, then you have to say, you know, job done at the end of the day. Mourinho knew when he came in uh, what he had to do and what he wanted to do. and, And he got got what he wanted at the end of it, uh, as evidenced from the, uh, from the, uh, somewhat embarrassing celebrations, maybe at the final whistle of the, of the <laughs> final. But, you know, it, when you think about it, in, in in fact, that, that palace game, uh, w- was something of our season in microcosm. And it, it was very typical of how we'd been playing for most of the season. And, uh, and it also highlighted some of the things that we're going to have to address next, next year or you know or the balance of this propensity for flashes of brilliance and then and then moments of zero concentration or you know this the, the idea that we go ahead and then we're just unable to hold on to it so you know obviously you know the team were tired um in that period after the break with the number of games in such a short period but you know it was the same for everyone and uh we'll have to work on our on our game management but you know at the end at the end of it all uh, you have to hold your hands up and say uh, fair play to, to Jose for, for doing what he did, and, uh, and here's here's to the start of the new Jose Mourinho era when we uh, when we come back.
1: Yeah, his first full season coming up in what like six weeks. <laughs> it's not a long turnaround time uh, before the start of the new season. Uh, as you say, finishing in the Europa League spots uh, is what he needed to do, and he did get it done. If you had said that Tottenham would finish in the top 6 by the time Mourinho was brought in. I think most Tottenham fans would have taken you up on that. Do you think that there's any world in which Pochettino himself could have turned things around and gotten us a European spot or do you think just with how deflated he seemed after the Champions League final that that regardless it was time to go?
0: Yeah, I think there was that hangover really wasn't there. I mean, you you know you and I have talked many times before about the Poch situation and how we felt about that in terms of his relationship with the fans and how important that was. But, but at the end of the day, it was his relationship with the players that really mattered. And, and if I'm honest and, and it it breaks my heart, but I have to say, you know, probably no, I don't think he could have, he could have got us to that, to that same place. Now that doesn't mean that I don't want him back. Uh, I'm just um, pragmatic enough to know that it it probably won't happen under the current ownership.
1: Yeah. So, uh, Unfortunately, I think I definitely agree with you there. And much as we all loved Poch, and, and we I don't think as a fan base love Mourinho by any stretch. I, <laughs> I do think it was just a special thing with Pochettino. And when yeah. he said he hopes to come back someday and win a title because he feels he has unfinished business, there is definitely a part of me that just hopes that that's true and that he'll go well, somewhere else, win some trophies, and then come here and do the same.
0: Well, I'm I'm just a little older than you, Kev, so I, I just hope that I live to see it. That's the only <laughs> thing. <that's laughs> I know it's always out there, like the you know the promised land of of Poch leading us to to the title, so uh, that's something to work for.
1: Yeah, and in the and in the bad Mourinho times, there were definitely some some uh, memes going around of uh, "You're not my real dad," shouted at Mourinho <laughs> uh, after Pochettino's quotes about returning. But uh, yeah, <laughs> we'll we'll leave the Pochettino era there behind us, uh, as we've mentioned. We're thoroughly into the Mourinho one, so you can almost bifurcate the season into the Pochettino mm-hmm. half and the Mourinho half on the whole though which what would you rate the season considering we did still manage a European spot
0: well you're absolutely right I think that you can't not look at the pre-break and the post-break um situation and and look at them together so uh if you'll permit me I'll I'll give us a four out of ten for the first part of the season and then a seven and a half out of ten since the restart because uh you know obviously neither have been have been good enough, but the level of improvement not necessarily in our playing style uh, but in the application and determination and and the pragmatism that that we've brought to uh to some of the games um warrants that difference but as we were saying, there's still areas to address i mean the Specific highlights, I think, for me were um, most recently, I suppose, not crumbling in the North London Derby and being able to yeah. to come back and win that game uh, in a in a game that really could have gone either way, and we wouldn't have had much of a complaint about uh, either outcome. Uh, and then I think going back to the first half of the season was the uh, was the win over Man City uh, in February. But but you know, having said that, there were precious few. Performances that we can look back on with joy this year, um, and and plenty of performances you know that that we would want to forget. I mean, Bayern obviously, and then but yeah. then also that was compounded by losing three 0 at Brighton immediately afterwards. Um, you know that was I think the, a lower point than the just the Bayern, just the Bayern uh, uh, game itself. But but as well as you know if you look at if you look at our fixtures over the year, there were just too many games this year that we ended up losing by the odd goal and obviously that's going to be something that um that Jose is going to want to address next year as well is 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 to improve that resilience but <clears throat> you know we ended up we ended up where we are uh sixth I think is probably a fair reflection of Mourinho's overall impact on how we uh how we addressed the season I mean it was uh, that I was on with you uh one time before, and we we were kind of pessimistic this was before the return and we were pessimistic about how, what it would mean and how the how the the remainder of the season would play itself out and Obviously, there were situations where um you know there were only a limited number of games uh to complete to to finish the season and I suppose it was the right decision to to do it as long as we could make sure that everybody involved was safe uh and We're seeing you know with other sportsmen I baseball for example is experiencing the, the the problems associated with starting a season from scratch and not being able to you know cope with uh unforeseen difficulties that that um that come up but you know it, it, i'm glad we did the season i'm glad um the Premier League pressed on uh it, it, and it turned out it was as i say it was the same considerations for all the teams uh i feel a bit sorry i have to say for sheffield united who who actually had a great yeah. season but maybe they'll be thinking that uh you know, to get into the Europa League would have been would have been fun, but uh, probably an unnecessary distraction for them because what they need to do is concentrate on consolidating that uh, that great finish next year. And and Wolves, <laughs> Wolves, of course, will uh, will find out tomorrow whether they qualify for a competition that they've already been playing in for a year. Um, and hmm. uh, you know, another, another great great season for them and Nuno and and uh, and between them and us uh you know as it it just came down really to the to the challenge of the of the run-ins the two run-ins so you know uh glad we ended up where we did glad the season progressed glad uh we're in a position to sort of build on it for next year
1: yeah and i was kind of looking at at our uh running compared to Manchester United, because at the at the restart, it kind of looked like we were the two that were primed to really surge up the table. Uh, even if we had beaten them with the other results that we dropped, we still wouldn't have caught up with them because of right. how well the rest of their season went. So hard to feel too bad about that. Although it is worth noting that we had 11 losses, which is a lot. But Leicester yeah. and Chelsea both had more. We, yeah. we lost a lot of points to draws this season, which, uh, as you say, based on kind of some of the weird and and error prone or set piece goals we let in that you assume would decrease under Mourinho long term uh, could have really led to a very different season for us and that's not counting all of the injury stuff but yeah. you can't blame everything on that to be sure um, up and down here obviously uh, but who was your player of the season and young player of the season
0: I think it's you know the usual suspect really for for player of the year. I mean Harry, Hugo, uh, Son. I, I thought Moura played really well, and oh, and, and Son of course. I don't know if you caught it. Um, uh, won deservedly won the match of the day uh, goal of the season for that yeah. uh, solo effort uh, against Burnley. Um, but again, it's consistency. It comes back to consistency, and um, and I think I've I've actually had a new um, appreciation for Ben Davies this year um and mm-hmm. how he has performed and and uh how consistent he has been and i've also actually i've also been impressed by how Bergwine has slotted into the team and again i'm looking for him to be a little bit more consistent next year so uh happy with happy with those i mean as for a young player i really liked what i saw of tanganga and i'm i'm very very happy that he has signed a new long-term deal uh and it's also exciting for for a couple of the other young players that uh have have you know taken a, a giant step uh, in their careers. I mean, Oliver Skip uh, signed a new deal, and he's uh, probably going to go out on loan. The talk here is that uh, if Scott Parker takes Fulham back into the Premier League, that that would uh, that would be where he would end up, uh, and that would be a very good move for him, I think. Uh, and and uh, by the same token, Ryan Sessegnon might end up going out on loan again this year, and I I just wonder if if Fulham were to come back up, whether he might end up going back there for a year you know who knows but um the the, the key one i think is troy parrot uh going to millwall for a season long loan and and that's a, a really good yeah. competitive place for him to play i mean obviously it's not uh it, it, it's it's um in london so it's uh somewhere that you know the club can keep a close eye on him but uh you know i i just i hope for the best for all of those players and i i think that going out on loan to to clubs that are going to be competitive, uh, gives them a good chance to build that, that foundation of regular appearances and, and giving them uh, a good solid experience. So uh generally I'm optimistic about our young our young players coming through.
1: Yeah, hard to discount any of those uh potential candidates. I didn't really think about Tunganga because he, he just got such a brief run in the mm in the team and then got injured and then there was coronavirus and he came back and got injured again um but yeah he was absolutely fantastic was his debut the liverpool match like left back or something that's right not his natural position and and he really held his own and i think that's what's most impressive about what he's done thus far is he's never looked out of step even at his not natural position at a higher level like it just really seemed to hit everything uh as naturally as he could, which is, is really impressive. So yeah, I, I definitely agree with you on that. And I know a, a lot of people think that if you, you don't uh, kind of give the player of the year to Harry Kane, that you're just like avoiding the popular pick. But Son <laughs> was involved in 24 goals, I want to say, double digits in both goals and assists this season. Uh, if, if he isn't at this club, we finish way worse than we did this year, especially considering the massive drop-off in chances created. So uh, we're going we're gonna to work our way up to talking a little bit more about Harry Kane here. But uh, some things that uh, Harry Kane has been hit with is he's taking way fewer shots. His shot accuracy has gotten worse by the eye test. He has looked more sluggish and stuff like that. Looked pretty good since the restart, to be honest. But I've always wanted to highlight this other point. I mentioned there Sonny uh, ended up having 13 assists this year leading the team. But Tottenham as a whole, over the last five seasons, finished 1st, 1st, 4th, and 4th in chances created. This year, 10th. With Ericsson's struggles and then departure, nobody has filled that void. We have a lot of ball carriers, LaCelso, Deli, and Dombele if he stays. But nobody is there setting up the final pass. And so when people try to levy these issues against Kane, I think the, the issue is not Kane himself. The issue is behind him. Uh, But that having all been said, hopefully I haven't narrativized too much before asking you, what have you made of Harry Kane? And do you think he's now air quotes back? Uh,
0: Well, I I totally agree with everything you just said. And I think Harry is the sort of striker that depends on the service that he gets. And it is interesting that you mentioned about Son's uh, assist rate as well, because what we've been dealing with this season has been obviously the absence of Ericsson lost the fall off in in delhi in delhi's production so uh that was important that that you're absolutely right about son if if son, if we didn't have son this season especially with harry's injury uh we would have been in trouble and uh and also don't forget he uh, got into that fight with hugo that actually sparked our revival yeah. at the at the end of that uh, that game, so it, yeah, I, I, it was always going to be difficult, I think, for Harry, you know, coming back from that injury and the, and the break in the season was probably the best, the best thing that, that could have happened for his recovery. But uh, you know, when you when you think about just how absolutely central he is to everything we do and everything we plan around, uh, you know, it, it was his birthday, twenty seventh birthday, just last week, and and the only player to score more premier league goals before their 27th birthday is um uh Rooney
1: yeah who started four or five years earlier
0: right that that, absolutely right absolutely right so I think we've probably now got into the situation where we kind of expect to lose Harry for a certain number of weeks each each season through injury uh it's actually got to that point uh but that doesn't in any way negate uh the incredible influence that he has and and the way in which he dictates how we set up and how we play but but you're you're absolutely right to highlight the um the service and the chances created. I think Luchelso, I think will come good uh he's not quite in Ericsson's league in terms of that just just yet, but i think I think there's every reason to be optimistic that we'll get more consistency out of him.
1: Yeah, I absolutely love Lacelso. Lo I'm just not sure he's an air quotes number 10. Of course, Mourinho's right. system doesn't require one. But if it's Lacelso and Deli Ali in a 4-3-3 both going forward, yeah. is that enough? Time will tell. But yes, I do love Lacelso Lo as well. Uh, just finishing up on Kane, despite all of his injuries and <laughs> struggles, still finishes the season with 18 goals. Only four players, I think, finished yeah. with more this season. And he did it in his first season ever with less than 100 shots. Yeah. So like,
0: oh, that's I hadn't heard that stat. That's really interesting. Wow.
1: Yeah.
0: Good for him. Good yeah, for him. he
1: had eighty one this season. Never before oh. had he had less than a hundred. So drop-off. pretty big wow. drop off. Still scored eighteen goals. Pretty big goal drop off as well. Obviously, yeah. he he was averaging twenty plus what, 21, 25, 29, 29, then seventeen last season. Oh. But it should also be noted that because of the coronavirus layoff, he only wound up playing a hundred more minutes this year than last season. Huh. And I think because right. people think that Kane had this big injury and he was out for months, that he yeah. missed way more time this year than last. But because yeah. of that layoff, he really didn't. Um, That's right. Which is an interesting uh, caveat to all of that. But but I test to you, does it feel like he's air quotes back?
0: Oh yes, absolutely. I think I think the first couple of games back after the restart, you could tell he was sixty sixty five percent fit. But I think by the end of the season, he had uh, he got back to where he is. But I think it's absolutely as you say worth restating this this idea that he's as good as the service he gets
1: yeah agreed um all right let's talk about somebody at the other end of the spectrum we mentioned Laselso in particular first season did really well looking for great things from him the other big money signing in that mm-hmm. summer of course is Tange and Dombele, who is the heir apparent to Musa Dembele, who had left, I, I've gone on rants before about how their playstyles aren't as similar as people would try to point out. Never has that been more evident than in the effort put out by either of them. and Ndombele dropped by Pochettino before the end of his era. I think he got a few starts under Mourinho before he ended up being dropped there. I think he was part of both Norwich losses, the one in the league and the one in the cup. Um, very quickly falling out of favor towards ever since the restart, Anytime he didn't start, a, a story would pop up in the French press about him wanting out. We continually hear these things since the season has ended already. Are we going to do a swap deal with Inter to get rid of him? What do you think we should do with Tanguy Ndombele, our highest ever priced yeah. player, obviously has all the talent in the world but just hasn't been able to put it together?
0: No, absolutely. 55 million pounds, I mean, it, it, it takes an awful lot to admit that something isn't right with your record signing but here here's what i'd say he's 23 it's his first season in the premier league which is a a wholly different um environment to what he played in before uh he's also coming in at a time when there was uh you know grief between uh one manager going out another manager coming in the uncertainty of of trying to uh, rise above that and play your game but you know, Inter, as you say, seemed interested, but it, it, it looks like Mourinho wants to give him another season and then <clears throat> but then everything Mourinho says right now is inclusive and he obviously doesn't want, I think, to lose any pieces of the puzzle until he's completely convinced they don't fit. And I don't think he's reached that point yet where he's convinced that uh Indombly doesn't fit into into what he wants Spurs to be. And and you know, frankly, we we say this about uh, Mourinho all the time. He's been around the block enough times that you have to you have to trust him on on how he rebuilds the team in his image. So I I think um, I mean obviously it's a very long transfer window coming up, um, but I would imagine he would be with us at the start of the season, and uh, you would see uh, Mourinho try and figure out pretty quickly uh what he can get what he, what he can get out of him so yes now i i the, the kid is 23 you know that's what wow. i'll say for him and uh and he is as you say he's got all the talent in the world
1: yeah it, it really reminds me of sun's first season i don't know if you remember when when we had signed sun he actually uh propped up with a, a planar fascia injury in his foot and so hey. his first touches were terrible his yeah. entire first season which if you think about now is like what but he's so good with his feet Um but had trouble adjusting to the league had trouble adjusting into uh, Pochettino's high press it just didn't work out the first season there were talks about us loaning or selling him after that first year and it just kind of feels similar although you would have hoped that Ndombele would have been in a better situation with senior France internationals like Sissoko and Lloris at the club right um so it, it, that's a little bit more concerning also there was this weird rumor that was floated that he was having really bad dental problems and that running was hurting because of of his jaw which anyway is another connection i made with son of like a really weird arbitrary injury that like could be a factor right. but but all of that to the side i agree i think we should definitely hold on to him uh even if you go back and look at some of his highlights just in a tottenham kid don't go back and look at uh, Lyon, even though they're incredible, especially the the City and Barcelona matches, yeah. even what he did in his few minutes on the pitch were still great. The issue was the amount of minutes on the pitch, the amount of effort that he showed tracking back, because when you bring up why he didn't play since the restart, I, without having done much research, because covering football is no longer my job, uh, without doing all of that, my my remembering is that I don't think we were chasing a game outside of the Sheffield United match. I think we scored first in almost all of them. So if you don't trust the player's effort defensively and you have a lead, why would you ever bring him on? Yes. yes. Like, that's
0: a, that's a very good point and I and I think it plays into something else uh that you said in the in the previous uh thing where uh comparisons with Musa really don't help him because you know that Musa would 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 track back and would uh be there to break up play, uh, in a very reliable and consistent way. And I think, um, those comparisons, I think, uh, don't, don't really do him a lot of favors, but yeah, I, I'm optimistic that we'll get more and better from him, uh, this coming season.
1: Agreed. But I will hit you with one small caveat before we shift away from this topic. If we could get back every cent that we paid for him last year, to mm-hmm. use to spend under Mourinho to get in players that he wanted knowing that the two of them haven't worked thus far. If you get 60 million and just poof, he's not on the team anymore. Mm-hmm. Do you take that or do you think regardless get the most out of him?
0: Uh I I would personally I would take it.
1: Yeah. And I think that that's kind of where we're at but you know only
0: because I I think it's it's more it's fairer on an incoming manager
1: yeah to
0: to be able to say you know build a team in your image not you know to a certain extent you have to work with with the players we have but uh any resources that you can turn over to uh to an incoming manager um are obviously will result in a in a better outcome I think but but that's not to say he's not a great player. It's it's up to Mourinho to figure out whether he's a great player for us.
1: Right. And and I guess that that's why I'm I know this is a, a hard <laughs> hypothetical to ask. But like if we get offered forty million, my answer is no. If we get literally everything we paid for last season, then i I'd, I'd be way more likely, but obviously not up to us. Uh, And we'll see what happens. And if he's wearing a Tottenham kit and he starts one of the first couple of matches next season, I will be delighted. Um, So yeah, hopefully he can turn things around. So if he's not on the outgoings list, uh, who else at Tottenham do you think might be and what positions do you think we'll need to strengthen?
0: Um, uh, As I said, it's going to be a very long uh, transfer window. I think um, we can't predict really the ins and outs for, for now. Um, one fourth is is possibly on the bubble as as you Americans mm. like to say. uh only because you you get a sense that I'm not sure Mourinho really feels like he can use him in in the way that Pochettino did and and maybe that's maybe that's no bad thing um in in terms of you know what we need and who's coming in I mean there there's been a lot of talk here about about Philippe Coutinho and and but, but the price that barca wanted for a season's long loan just just initially seemed way too steep and now it it looks like he might end up at arsenal uh anyway but i think we do probably need another uh creative attacking midfielder and as we were saying next season i think will be a a crucial one for for deli alley
1: yeah i i definitely agree uh the the interesting thing about incomings this year is I don't know if I've ever seen a more talented group of players get relegated before, with some of the players at Bournemouth, some of the players at Norwich. Um, I'm blanking on who else went down. Uh, Watford, right? Eh, no, they're all right. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but well, um,
0: no, I'll tell you, no, I've been thinking about this. There's, they have a kit, uh, Sar.
1: Oh, Ismail Assar, uh, yeah. Yes.
0: Yeah, so he looks he looks the business. I think in in a better team, he could actually prosper quite well.
1: I definitely agree, though though the wide areas aren't necessarily where you'd think yeah. that we would want to improve. Uh for for Norwich, I think Emi Buendia would be a, a great selection. I think he finished pretty high up in the chances created charts on a relegation fodder team. Yeah. Um so that I think that would be a pretty cheap one. that the deal that I'm rooting for the most isn't Pierre-Emile Hoiberg. That's fine. I'd, I'd much rather sign uh, Baptiste-Santa Maria from from France there. Um, but if we get Hoiberg, that's great. Premier League experience, etc., etc., etc. But the one I really want is Callum Wilson. So oh, really? okay. so he's currently bandied about in the range of $15 million and less. Hmm. And if we sell both Danny Rose and Kyle Walker-Peters, we're going to be looking down a very dangerous barrel of homegrown player issues. Um, So you bring in an English player. He scored 15 plus goals in a premier league season before Pochettino loved him for years. And that probably means that we've scouted him before. So he probably has some, you know, recognition of, of the people that might be calling him. Obviously the regime has changed, but Daniel Levy and uh, I think Steve Hitchin now is the head scout. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, You'd imagine there's still some stuff there. You offer him a chance to come up. We, we haven't had much luck except at the extremes of age. You bring in Lorente because he's really old and he, he knows he isn't going to start ahead of Harry Kane. You bring in Vincent Janssen. He's really young. He knows he's not getting ahead of him. Um, so bringing in a player that is, is 28, going on 29, English, has already played with him, has already played in multiple levels in, in England, uh, mm-hmm. is just one that I, I think would be terrific. He has size, he has pace, he can finish. And as as a backup for Harry Kane, you don't have to change too much of your style if he's playing instead of Kane. But if you bring him on alongside Kane, he can provide something different, um, yeah. being being the quicker player of the two. So that's that's one. As long as it isn't like twenty million and up, like like this is, this is a bargain. Like he went down. Let's see what we can get him for. Thing, but that's the one. I'm like, mm, I want it, whether or not it happens. You know, who's to say? Uh, The other position, uh, and I did kind of want to get your thoughts on this. So we've basically scouted every center back in the world under the age of 25 this season. I think preparing for, well, at the time, Dyer was a midfielder. Jan Vertonghen was on his way out. Toby hadn't signed his extension yet. Uh, So there were just a lot of question marks at that position for us. All of a sudden, things very clear. Uh, Vertonghen ends up leaving, which we'll get to in a second dyer now fully moved back to center back under jose Mourinho. tanganga coming through so we have a lot more depth there do you think that we should invest in the center back line this season or do you think with dyer sanchez alder tanganga and davis as a fill-in that we're probably okay there
0: it's it's a it's a solid line i have to say and you're you're absolutely right there were uh and as you say we'll come on to talk about jan in, in in a second but um Yes, there were, there were moments at which you thought, well, is this really the right partnership um, that, that we have? Uh, I really like the idea of Sanchez, the, 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 that the fact that he learned from both Jan and from uh, Toby, that that was a great opportunity for him to improve him, get his game. And I'm looking for him to actually step up uh, next season as well. But I don't know about um, whether we absolutely need another centre-back uh until Toby's extended contract runs out um then it's a possibility that we we might have to look around for someone else but um uh, talking about Bournemouth and the relegated uh players just for a second as well going back i mean i, I know we talked about Nathan Aké he looks like he's off to uh to Manchester City mm-hmm. now he was always going to be Bournemouth's uh expensive diamond wasn't he he was always going to be the the the, mm-hmm. the player they had the most uh, leverage uh, through selling, and and the other one uh, that I know a lot of Spurs fans were were keen on was David Brooks, but I again I don't think we need another player of that of that ilk. So the Hoiberg situation, yes, as you say, if it if it plays out, then that's fine. Uh, it's a long transfer window, and and Southampton are going to want to you know leverage as much as they possibly can. Uh, for their captain i mean the guys that the club captain so mm. there's that consideration but it's not the end of the world i don't think i think dyer has has reverted pretty well to the back four um i don't think it's the end of the world if we don't strengthen but i think we'll probably have to look at it at the end of next season
1: yeah i think that's absolutely right and then the other the other relegated player that i think we're, we're definitely going to take a look at uh, is Max Ahrens. Personally, yeah. I think it's very silly that we're thinking of selling Kyle Walker-Peters as part of the Hoyberg deal and then just signing another young English right back that hasn't really proven it yet. Um, that just seems really odd to me. But if the window ends up being you bring in Hoyberg, Wilson, and Ahrens, mm-hmm. I don't hate that. Is it is it the window that Mourinho is used to having no No, but it fills the very clear gaps in the squad and that of course assumes that Cessignon can blossom at left back or Tanganga can fill enough there uh if needed but yeah I actually think the squad is in decent shape especially in a year where consistency is really going to be a benefit because the more players you bring in this summer that are supposed to be in in your starting 11 the more danger I think clubs will be in uh, which is one of the reasons why I'm a little worried for some of the promoted teams because there's often a lot of change at those clubs and with only a month basically to figure it out uh, I I think I could really kind of leave some of those those teams in a bad situation kind of like Fulham when they came up of do you stick with the team that brought you up knowing that they're probably not good enough to get you safe or do you make a lot of changes and have a whole bunch of random people and then just see if it works out so
0: United showed that you could you could do that and and still perform uh, particularly well in your first season I I think it's going to be really interesting to see Bielsa in the Premier League uh, if if he, if he stays, which it looks like he will. Uh, but, yeah, no, it, it is going to be really interesting. And you mentioned Max Ahrens, another... I should, because uh, I'm calling from Belfast today, I should give a shout-out to Northern Ireland right back, Jamal Lewis as well, who I will be surprised if he stays with Norwich uh, for much longer, uh, maybe one more season. But uh, mm. he has also got uh, tremendous uh upside i think
1: yeah but it sounds like from neither of us are we expecting a big transfer window by, by no, any no. stretch um
0: and, and, and neither is jose so i i don't think we should kid ourselves about yeah. that
1: although i wouldn't be surprised if it's like three to five incomings because with mm. rose walker peters uh jan's retirement Uh, and all that stuff. There there will be spots, so I just don't think we're going to spend a lot in each of them, but we flirted around it enough. It's time to talk about it. Jan Vertonghen, (laughs) a a terrific servant of the club. If there was any player that really epitomized the rise um, of Tottenham as a club, stature-wise, since joining, it's really him, because Bale helped start it, but then he left. It was Vertonghen that was right at the end of the AVB and Sherwood eras, and then really ascended with Poch up up into this uh Mourinho time frame. Unfortunately, he won't be here for the first full season. What did you make of Yambertongen's time at Tottenham and where do you think he ranks among some of the better defenders that you've seen at the club?
0: Absolutely one of the best most reliable consistent defenders uh that that I've seen in the last, you know, 15 20 years probably. I mean, I, you know, um and I, I think you're absolutely right bringing in bringing him in at that the molding period um, you know, his relationship with, I think also his relationship, not everybody talks about the the, the partnership with Toby, but I think his relationship with Moussa Dembele and the, yeah. uh, you know, that, that sort of Belgian connection that allowed them to, to be that spine, to be the spine in the team. I mean, I think that was, that's very underrated. And I, I'm just incredibly grateful to have, uh, to have seen him uh, playing as, as well as he did. And, and as I say, just going back to, uh, what we were saying about Davinson Sanchez, I mean, it's it, it, so good. I mean, how, how good is it to have, for somebody like Sanchez coming through to have somebody like like Jan Vertonghen to learn from and to play alongside and, and just to to observe. So you know, I'm very very grateful to to Jan. What a great um, what a great. Career he's had with us, and and I hope he goes on to bigger and better—well, not bigger and better things, but uh, at least as successful things with uh, with someone else. And his, um, you know, that, that late goal, that late header that he scored against Wolves mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. season, arguably that's uh, the difference between you know us missing out on the Europa and and actually um, finishing where we did. So uh, very grateful to him, and uh, and good luck.
1: Yeah, he was absolutely fantastic. Uh, One of my favorite Jan Vertonghen memories, uh, outside of getting to see him play live several times, was, um, I don't know if you remember this, you and I were in a hotel watching on a laptop in Cincinnati, and it was Mm -hmm. the Bale-Vertonghen game where we scored two goals. One was a Vertonghen assist to Bale over the top, and then the second one Bale assisted to Vertonghen over the top, who had made (laughs) a deep run from central defense, which I guess we're now more used to seeing with Sheffield United in their underlapping center backs tm but uh, yeah. I, will, I will always remember that game because it was just like why is jan just randomly lobbing the ball up to bail who if people don't remember the goal i'm sure you can find it was against swansea he basically yeah. didn't lift his leg back he just like hit it from where his standing leg already was and just hammered it into the back of the net and then the Vertonghen one—he just flew out of nowhere. Like you see somebody streaking into the channel, and you're like, "Oh, who's that? Is that Scott? P- oh no, that's Jan Vertonghen. <laughs> Why is he there?" Um, I always remember that. I'll always remember the game where he had two disallowed goals. The mm-hmm. one ended up being called an own goal, and the other one he got called for offside, even though he had received the pass in our own half. I want to say that was against Sunderland or Stoke. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. I'll- all those yeah. were were fantastic and then obviously the Borussia Dortmund match last season yeah. where he was forced to deputize at left back and gets a goal and an assist yeah. um and i do wonder if if more than the other players the yeah. the amount of matches that we had in the Champions League the the intensity level of them if that just like if he put everything he had left physically into last season and then it just it just didn't yes. happen this year because even under Pachi, he wasn't starting regularly this year, yes. and some of that may have been Sanchez's development. Although he still has a couple of key key flaws in his game that hopefully he'll mm-hmm. continue to iron out. But yeah, just I I absolutely loved Jan Vertonghen at the club, and and it is really interesting watching where we were when he started, yeah. um, and and where the and where the site is when he leaves. Also, I I do want to touch on the Belgian point that you made, um, which is not only did did he and Musa come into the club basically as best friends, and then they were roommates for, for the, the duration that they were both at the club. But both of them being there is what led Nasser Chadley to be interested in joining mm-hmm. the club, and he had a very nice brief run with us. It's also yep. what helped lure to- Toby Aldevarold to the club. Yep. So even mm-hmm. off the pitch, the, the impact that that relationship had wound up just being massive, and in and, and every single aspect, I feel he'll be missed.
0: That's, that's very well put, Kevin. Absolutely right. and And you made a good point. That I hadn't really considered about how much he, how much energy and emotional energy that he exp- expounded during the um, during the Champions League games. And yes, that's a that's a very very good point as well. Uh, yes, I, I totally agree with everything you just said, and, and that was really well articulated.
1: Thank you very much. Also said it was probably time to go. He, it's probably time for a step down. Heartbreaking as it is, personally, I would have been fine with paying his wages as they were for the next two years and have him retire and join the coaching staff and all of that. But yeah, it, it was it was probably time. And and I will say the really interesting thing is all of the kind of online flirting that's happening right now between Ajax and Jan Vertonghen is is really interesting. I I think I'd like him to go to a club our size or larger, hopefully in a foreign league. Um, kind of in a kind of, uh, trophy achievement way at this level. If he went back to Ajax, obviously he'll win stuff, but I don't, I don't know if he's regressed that much yet, but regardless, obviously hope the best for him and, uh, he'll definitely be missed. Um, we'll go from there to talking about the Europa League. We obviously were talking about how, uh, his goal against Wolves is a a defining factor (laughs) in us making it, uh, over them right there at the end of the season. So you and I have talked off air before. I'm actually pretty pro us playing in the Europa League, although the fact we're about to loan out all the players I was excited about getting to see (laughs) get experience for us uh, kind of throws a wrench in it. But obviously people in the past have kind of said it's a curse to a season because it's all these extra matches that don't mean anything but it is another route towards a champions league spot it's another route towards a potential trophy and of course as everyone brings up jose's been in it twice and won it twice are you excited about the prospect of playing in the europa league this season or are you thinking it's going to be a bit of a drain on the squad
0: no no i'm excited about it uh and uh, i think exactly for that reason for the reason that you said jose gives it a whole other luster doesn't he he says uh you know, well he he's been in it twice, he's won it twice. I mean that that how could you not be excited to uh see what he can do in a competition that he knows so well? And also Baron Meinkeft, you know, remember how we used to agonize about actually getting into it? And it's <laughs> yeah. not, not that many seasons ago. And that was when we had a, a much less good, solid, consistent squad than we have now. So I think we're actually you know, having having ended the season on an, on something of an upswing, I think you know we're actually pretty well placed to build on that going forward. And I uh, actually trust uh, Mourinho's mentality, and I trust his optimism about the Europa League. And I know it's a very schizophrenic competition, and it's it's I suppose in danger of becoming even more marginalised um, as as the Champions League becomes more. Important in terms of you know the post-pandemic uh, how we approach football in the post-pandemic world um, because you you know that if there are if there are uh, changes to the schedule to be made that they're not they're not going to they're not going to have fewer games in the Champions League so I, I, I think the the whole structure of the Europa League is something that we're going to have to watch going forward but you know for us this is where we are where we ended up is definitely I think better than miss, missing out. Um I think you again you probably know better than I do we we start off with a second qualifying round in the middle of September so yeah, if Arsenal win Oh oh right is that yes that's right
1: Yeah if Chelsea win we go straight to the group stage
0: Oh is that right okay well then that that's good to know that's good to know Oh what what happens if Wolves win it
1: it uh, doesn't matter. They'd be going through as European champions only. I think it's seven clubs can go into European competitions right. domestically, but that's a European trophy, so it doesn't count against us.
0: Right. Okay. Cool. So we're we're definitely in.
1: <laughs> Correct. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay. Well, that's that's all. Uh, you see again. That's one of those. One of those. Things that people use to undermine the Europa League is, you know, how how strange it is to actually qualify for it and 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 you know end up having to go to Belarus or San Marino on a you know wet Thursday afternoon. But I'll take it. I'm very happy with it. Uh, obviously, Jose optimistic about it, uh, and that potential road, as you say, into the Champions League gives us something to um, uh, to focus on. So yes, I'm I'm happy with it as part of the expectation for what we do as a, as a club for the coming season
1: yeah I totally agree with you uh when i was saying uh, it's gonna be a bummer if we finally start loaning out players if, if it is skip and parrot that go you'd think those two would have gotten a lot of minutes for us in a europa League run mm-hmm. but still a lot of young players um tanganga and one of walker peters or aarons it feels safe to safe to say <laughs> um if Ndombele stays, you'd imagine that's a pretty air quotes, low stakes place to start him would be the group stage. Although he tends to show up in bigger matches. So I'm not sure how that would go. But we would learn a lot more. Jedson, who we have on loan for a whole nother year. Right. Yeah. He doesn't have a best position yet. He he is he is clay that can be molded to become whatever kind of midfielder Mourinho wants. Mm-hmm. Um we, you were just talking about how you, you hope uh, Devinson Sanchez takes a big step forward, but also we just gave Eric Dyer a big contract and we've clearly seen that Toby is still our best defender. So whoever misses out of that group will get all those minutes. Sessegnon, if we keep him, that gives him a lot of chances for minutes. Uh, the Bergvine versus Lucas thing, Resolves mm-hmm. that. One of them gets to get their minutes in the majority elsewhere while still being an impact sub uh, in the Premier League, which is just the role that the two of them were switching back and forth. And central midfield, where we have a gajillion players of Winks, Sissoko, Lacelso, delhi if you want to count him and dombele who i already mentioned like there are so many players there and then if skips loan doesn't go through for whatever reason that's another yep. player in there um i know we really like harvey white in the academy who can play left back or central midfield that you can yep. throw into that mix as well i'm sure people have heard dennis serkin's name thrown around yep. a bit uh, it sounds like he'll be training with the first team so uh basically uh and this is the the thing that we've talked about before is the europa league is where kane and Townsend and Townsend Se- not Lo dear Lord, uh, Bentaleb and Mason and Winks. It's where all of those players got their starting minutes. Um, and so to see us kind of returning on the funnel between the academy and the first team, I know a lot of people you know, will hit Mourinho over the head with uh, not being good with youth, but he came to a club where he's mm-hmm. going to have to rely on youth. We can't go out and buy him a $60 million player uh, on a whim that'll fill a role so having to to engage with that process a lot more and we have a fairly talented crop coming up none of the none of the star ones that we've had in the past although typically our star academy players leave and turn out to not be that good but um just we, we have a decent crop of youngsters coming through that that if we can get them minutes in the europa league and and really grow them into the squad could at least take first team spots if not starting 11 ones
0: I was just going to say the Europa League was there was the place where we we found out that Harry wasn't a goalkeeper
1: <laughs> we did although he did get his hands to it which I will always be impressed by <laughs> um, but uh, we will wrap up with expectations for next season I'm really glad you brought up the Jose Mourinho thing because rumors are that we don't care about our league placement next season that Jose is literally like win something um, yeah. because I think that's interesting in that it's reflected in some of his previous clubs like even in the bad chelsea year i think they still won a cup um could be wrong on that manchester united obviously missed the champions league but won the europa league and then got in that way so i i kind of believe that and it's also just so refreshing to hear after how pochettino continually downplayed the importance of domestic trophies are is that kind of how you're feeling trophy or bust or or do you think he'll have to always walk that fine line if you have to get top 4 for the financials and yeah. then get trophies think, for the glory
0: yeah i think it's i think it's partly that it's the the financial considerations and the pressure to get into the champions league or at least challenge for it but i think at the end of the day kev what what i would really really like to see us do next season is to get back to playing the sort of football that we're we're capable of with this group of players. I mean, we we it, there's no doubt that we have a talented group of players here and it's just a matter of of kickstarting them and making sure that we can uh, leverage their best talents um uh, in and and regardless of where we finish in the league, um as long as the fans are happy with the football that we're playing and god knows, you know, they haven't been, uh, we have to address that uh but it, i think let's just let the results fall where they where they may but let's be let's be pragmatic about how we uh organize the team and who we bring in and what we uh what we do i mean i i would really like to have a good a good run in the europa league uh but also as you say get back to challenging for top 4 again i mean it, it it's going to be hard not to finish at least where we did this season uh and there's going to be a lot of pressure on us to to at least do that but you know um both chelsea and united will be strengthening and, and and city have gotten their champions league reprieve so you know that we ha- but we have a we have a good, solid base of players to build on. And really, this comes down to, you know, <clears throat> let's see what Jose can do. If he can put his money where his mouth is or, you know, put Levy's money such as it is where his mouth is, then uh, then you never know. And, and also another thing, just not on a player situation, but it's going to be interesting to see what happens with this Luis Campo, Campos situation. If he can uh, end up getting uh, getting his his preferred director of football uh to come and work with him then uh who knows where where things might go
1: from there but
0: i'm i'm generally optimistic but uh you know <laughs> this is spurs we're talking about
1: <laughs> yeah obviously the dream is still Luis campos but it doesn't seem like that's going to happen this year um but hopefully we're in good enough position to take advantage of that relationship in the future i totally agree with you if i had to guess i think that we will win something next year Um, but the, the other side of that is that it's not a fan expectation. It is the expectation. It is the point of Mourinho being at this club is to get us over the trophy hurdle. So while I do personally, I genuinely think that it is likely that we win something this year. You also have to consider that not winning something this year could very quickly escalate Jose Mourinho's, uh, departure from the club. So it's, it's, it's kind of high stakes for Mourinho next year. Um, I don't think it'll feel high stakes to us. Um, as fans i don't know if if the players will even feel that um urgency i think players like kane will and maybe Sun, where you know if neither of them win something and then they're both 28 29 plus that's when you start to get to that uh, okay right. I, I i gave you my time where's my where's my reward um place but uh yeah i i think that we will especially from the outside looking in like the media way i don't think there will be that many expectations on us this season I would absolutely settle settle for sixth in a trophy, any of them, really. Preferably the Europa League, because then that means we still get Champions League. But yep. I, I, I'm very much looking forward to a season wherein we're clearly prioritizing the cups. Uh, after all the Pochettino years of him basically just saying, "Why does it matter?" So
0: right, right, absolutely. I mean, let's just let's just aim for consistency for a decent way of playing football, and let's make you know, Amazon prime wish that they'd uh, recorded next season instead of this one.
1: Yeah, totally agreed. Uh, That will do it for us today though. Uh, Steve, if you want to tell folks where they can find you now, would be a good time.
0: Well, thanks again, Kevin. It's always enjoyable uh, coming on to chat with you. You're very knowledgeable and it's great sort of shooting the breeze. Thank you very much. Uh, You can get me on Twitter at Steve McGookin or for my non- Football writing uh, at northernslant.com, and Kev, if you don't mind, just finally a word of appreciation for the the Tottenham Stadium employees mm. uh, and the NHS staff who were able to uh, help make the stadium facilities available for you know whatever pandemic-related uh, services the North Middlesex Hospital has needed since April. And I know the the club's very proud of its role in in uh, working with the local community. So this was something that was. Uh, important to do and important to acknowledge i think in these uncertain times so thanks thanks again
1: yeah for sure glad that glad that you mentioned that and of course glad to have spoken to you today Uh, thanks again and folks at home we hope you keep listening